0: Hey, good morning, all. Welcome to the Common Good podcast. It's a Tuesday, May third edition. It's politics conversation today, and I'll tell you what, Rob Ryer see a lot to chat about uh, today. Has and anything happened in the world, Doug? Boy, you know, you just think, boy, if we couldn't, wouldn't it be great to live in times that had great moral and social consequence, so we didn't feel like we were just wasting our time on this on this earth? Well, we've got it. I'm uh, just outside of Minneapolis. Uh, standing up today, by the way, it's been a long time since I've stood up during the podcast and live stream. Uh, I, I've just resorted to sitting down. It got easy, and I got a little set up, and I didn't want to change it, and I decided. You know, our motto around Vote Common Good is wake up, speak up, stand up, and it's time to stand up. So standing, mm-hmm. standing up, standing up today. Uh, Rob, we're going to talk about Roe versus Wade decision that looks like it's coming because of some leaked information from the Supreme Court, which is its own intrigue. Uh, We're going to talk about, of course, the fact that in Georgia, they have impaneled a grand jury to investigate the criminality of the former president of the United States. It's not enough that he's been Mm. twice impeached, couldn't get himself reelected. And he's uh, just a miserable uh, politician and, uh, you know, executive of the executive branch. But now he's uh, and, l- facing some indictment. Uh, and then, and of not course, a Ohio. Good not and a good, not a good dancer. <laughs> I didn't know that. Is that a thing? Is, that, is, this, is this a new critique on the, on the front? I, just, uh, I,
1: I think we need to add that to the list. I mean, I, I saw a fresh video of one of his rallies and he was dancing. And I'm just reminded of the fact that he's just not a good dancer. He does that little...
0: Yeah, thing right. that he does. And, sure does. Yeah. But, I, you know, I will say, and as much as I'm opposed to Donald Trump, what he has done, the fact that he comes at those, ra- does rallies, first of all, and they dance, and mm-hmm. we've been to them, you and I t- together, and I've been to other Donald Trump uh, events. There is a party atmosphere before it gets boring once he starts talking, but they do really oh, create this heart. party atmosphere, and it's part of the ethos of mm-hmm. what makes some of the stuff feel so uniquely bizarre and weird and dangerous that there's these huge social yeah. changes like maybe it's going to be happening with uh, the the Supreme Court's ruling on Roe versus Wade and voting rights and uh, healthcare and a whole lot of other things and legislation that's struggling. And then in the midst of it you get this sort of strange like uh, you know afternoon boat cruise vibe of the Trump administration and, and what they do. You know like a bunch of a few years ago, there was a story about the Minnesota Vikings having a boat cruise, and they all got drunk yeah. on this boat cruise and had a bunch of uh, people on it and turned into a little, you know, sexual ex- escapades and all. That's kind of what those Trump events feel like, you know. Uh, uh, the people that sort of a motocross and all-star wrestling or WWF wrestling mixed with mixed with politics, and people can't really separate the one from the other. And I don't know, find it quite disturbing myself.
1: Yeah, and people are voting today too, Doug. Uh, it's primary day in uh, in Ohio, and uh, I think also in Indiana, and uh, you know it's uh, we are we're headed into that that time in in the month of May where uh, where lots of big decisions are going to yeah. be uh, are going to be taking place, and there's what? some there's some big races, particularly in Ohio today.
0: Yeah, uh, governor in Ohio, uh, mm-hmm. Senate primary, and at least on the on the. Republican side. I'm guessing there is on the on the there is on the Democratic, on the Democratic side, too. side as well. And yeah, that's uh, we're we're entering into now the primary season. If you don't mm-hmm. follow the calendar of politics so much, it's it, sometimes I feel like we are to politics what you know sports talk radio is to sports. We have to explain to people hey, we have a draft coming up or spring training is about to start or we're reaching a point at which you can't trade a player anymore, like all the ins and outs.
1: Which, which and just, just as a side note, I can't believe how many hours of the NFL draft I watched this weekend.
0: A lot of them. <laughs> many, many. And
1: my team didn't even have a pick in the first round and okay. traded their pick in the second round and uh, I watched for hours and hours and hours.
0: Is that so? so and, anyways, yes. And and were you but, generally happy with those with those choices? Was oh this- yeah. I'm,
1: uh, well, I am. I, I'm in a tough spot with my team right now because they uh, they have signed a, a uh, they traded for and signed a uh, a a new star quarterback who has been accused of uh, sexual assault. Um, by twenty-two women, and uh, I, I uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I <laughs> so I interrupted you. Yes. We yes. So it's primary season. We are helping people understand the calendar and where we're at. Yeah. That
0: there's a there's an important calendar that uh, that faces uh, our political endeavors, and we're going to be seeing a number of primaries over the next, I, I i would imagine most weeks on our Tuesday conversations here on the Common Good Podcast, seeking, you know, some common good politics, we're going to be running into this, hey, there's an important primary today. Ohio, you know, the answer to the riddle, what's round in the middle and and tall on the sides, uh, is the first one. And it's got some great consequence to it because of who's running. So we'll get to that here in a, in a bit and we'll talk about what's happening in Ohio. But let's let's talk a little bit about this uh, leaked yeah. um, document of the deliberations in the first draft yeah. of the Supreme Court's ruling on this Mississippi case, in which, by all indications, it looks like the conservatives are going to win the day, the f- mm-hmm. the five of them, and that they're going to, if you, if if the write up that has come out now ends up being in essence, what the ruling of the Supreme court is not just an adaptation of the number of when an abortion can take place, but a full throated rejection of the notion that a person has the right to an abortion at all, that it's not found in the constitution and therefore needs to be determined by lawmakers and not by the courts, that it's not a court's issue at all. At least that's my understanding. I've only was able to read little bits of it and the things that I've heard, but, but that's the argument. It's been the argument that a lot of conservatives have wanted for a very long time. And it looks like that's going to be, that's going to be uh, the situation.
1: It's very interesting. Um, the conservative argument about abortion has been one related to state's rights. And uh, and allowing the individual states to make this decision uh, for for the people in their states and, and kind of removing it from a federal issue. Uh, what the what this draft opinion says is uh, it doesn't meant it at least in in the sections that I've read. I haven't read the whole. You know, I I, I think it's I, I can't remember how many pages it is. I haven't read the yeah, whole, 80, thing, but I've read some, some ex- pages. Yeah, with yeah. a bunch of footnotes. I, I read. I I've read some excerpts and. I have not seen any reference to states in particular. Um, there are multiple references to leaving it to the people and their elected representatives to make the decision. Yeah. Now, that certainly could be on the state level, but it also leaves open um, mm-hmm. there being some, you know, federal uh, response to this uh, to this situation that would once again um, provide a national. Policy or a national standard on on protecting women's reproductive rights. Um, You know where we're at right now is that it's going to as soon as this opinion is you know actually you know um, handed down. um, I've seen varying reports anywhere from thirteen to twenty two states depending on. I think there's thirteen states that um, that have passed. Restrictive abortion laws um, that have a trigger in them that mm. if the Supreme Court overturns Roe, um, they will immediately go into effect, right. um, and uh, and you know, <clears throat> I happen to live in one of those states. Um, every state bordering the state that I live in has passed those laws, um, so it like it feels very much like we are in the dead center of that and uh and any woman needing this healthcare procedure um is going to find it very very difficult to to be able to to do it it's not like you can just you know drive north to missouri and uh, and get it there cuz they have passed the same laws so it, it, what we're going to see is immediately like this isn't going to take This isn't, it's not like, okay, well, you know, they're, they're passing this and then, then we'll have, you know, some, some fights, some in state legislative races to see what states are going to do. No, it is, this will immediately impact um, people's rights to, uh, to, to reproductive care. Yeah.
0: And, and look, Kelly Russell in the chat makes a good point. That you're right, I think it's a dozen or thirteen states have these trigger laws that have been newly been yep. written in the last yep. you know thirty forty years yep. that say if Roe versus Wade is overturned, this becomes the law of the land. They don't have to vote on it again. It's 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 yep. set to go. Another set of states, about that many, and twelve or thirteen, have restrictive laws from before Roe versus Wade, so from the 50s yeah. and 60s, that are, some go all the way back to the 30s, that are still on the books. I think Michigan is this yeah. way. And those yeah. laws then will revert to being the laws in place. Now, th- that's going to mean that the decisions about access to abortion and when it can take place, whether it a, has a medical exception for no abortion or if there's a number of weeks, it's gonna be a hodgepodge of rules that are now gonna have to be negotiated out at the state law level. Look, a couple things about all this. Most state legislators are not wanting to, nor are they capable of dealing with such grand moral issues that make their state independent from the other states. So what they're going to do is to borrow those laws from other states. So for all the arguments that states need to make their own decisions and states have to have their own root laws on this, we know how laws get made from state to state that there's organizations that help put together draft laws, they pass them, they, they copy and paste and change them to fit you know what the demands are of a particular location. That's what's going to happen. So you're not yep. so, so you, to the degree that yes, the conservatives who want this to be a state's rights issue, the the verdict, the ruling, the law is going to end up coming down from a different place in that state. But it's not as if the voters' will is what's being uh, invoked here. In fact, seventy yeah. percent of the U.S. population, I'm sure it changes by region, want Roe v.ersus Wade to stay where it is. But yeah. okay, here's here's the po- the other political thought that I have on this. You know, we've been traveling the country trying to say to people that our immigration laws are. Wrongheaded, are immoral, uh, are counterproductive and need to change. And one of our arguments is, laws don't just exist. Laws that keep people in Mexico, laws that say to asylum seekers, you have to get on US soil, laws that put a limit on the number of people from any one country that can, that can receive a visa. These aren't laws of the universe. These are rules that we've made up. And if we made the laws, we can change the laws. That's a part of the American fabric. And we have to support the laws that exist until we can change them. That's part of the American fabric. The difficulty that we have in this moment is, for a lot of us, we feel like this law goes the wrong way, but it's ruled on by the United States Supreme Court, the same court that put Roe versus Wade into place. And Mm -hmm. those justices were all put on the Supreme court in a legitimate way. And the president who appointed them and the president (laughs) who appointed them was the duly elected president of the United States. Like all the rules have been followed. That's how we've gotten to this situation. And when people do the thing like, well, Merrick Garland should have been on there and somebody like, Look, the rules exist for how a Supreme Court justice gets on the Supreme Court. And the people who make those rules are the Senate and the, and the, and the administration. And they follow them, whether people like them or think someone uh, skirted around or should have fulfilled something else, we have a whole system to adjudicate that in this country. These are our laws. And now the thing that becomes difficult for a lot of us is that on this issue, we now have to work to change this law. I actually believe we might be in better situation to deal with this legislatively than to, than to deal with it judicially. Yeah. And this has yeah. been one I, of the it, arguments all along with the way abortion has been legalized in this country was to root it to the 14th Amendment of the US Constitution. And a lot of people, even people very supportive of a woman's right to choose have said, that's a dubious way to get there. Like, you kind of hodgepodge together the arguments. Why don't we do this at the legislative level? And people who've supported a woman's right to choose to terminate her pregnancy before a certain date have not wanted to move it to a legislative answer. So now that's the work that's going to have to be done. That means, as we've talked about before in this podcast, state races and congressional races and Senate races are going to be even more about abortion than ever before. So it's going to make this a deeper political issue. One more thought, and I'd love to hear yours. It's going to make it even a deeper political issue for a country that doesn't know how to talk about abortion. Hmm. Just ask yourself the question, any listeners and viewers, when was the last time you had a robust conversation about abortion? Do you even know what the abortion laws in your own state are? Do you even know the circumstances of people who have abortions? Most of us don't have any concept of that. We don't know, and we don't know the moral implications, and we don't know the arguments of people who disagree with us. Instead, we're a country that's conflicted and is separated on this issue, but we don't understand one another. This, I hope, forces us into deeper legislative work and into deeper understanding. We're going to replay a conversation we had just over a year ago with two people, Elizabeth Krause and Ashley Ambercrombie and I'm asking them to come back on both who talk about their own experience with abortion as as women and women of Christian faith and what led them to have abortions and how they're thinking about it and how their thinking has developed in, in their own lives around this issue. And for a lot of people who've listened to we did those a year ago, and we're going to have them back on the podcast hopefully soon to, to give us sort of an update on this. But a lot of people who've listened to those. Have said to me, you know, know, that's the first, like, full conversation I've heard people even talk about this. I just don't Mm -hmm. even know the context in which this is happening. So my hope is that we can end up with greater liberty for women, not less, which it feels like right now this is moving in the opposite direction, but ultimately that we end up in a different place around the issues of abortion politically and socially, and that people feel more engaged and more informed about these issues than, than they do currently. But, you know, the, the opening to this, to this ruling is Americans are deeply conflicted around the issue of abortion. Yeah, they sure are. And is this gonna make it worse? In my estimation, it's most certainly is. Yeah. So I think,
1: Doug, you you make an excellent point that tying this reproductive uh, freedom to the Fourteenth Amendment is a dubious one. Um, and in this draft opinion, uh, Justice Alito, who let me just say, this guy's a real piece of work. Um, <laughs> yeah. just The the use of the word abortionists yeah. in yeah. like in this opinion is just. This guy. Um, so, uh, in his opinion, he says that um, there is no mention of abortion in the Constitution, and so therefore, it should not be, you know, in in the courts. And and as a result, um, you know, things are, you know, the court's decision in Roe was mm-hmm. misguided, and uh, it it needs to be tackled legislatively. They're okay that if that's the playing field we're going to play on, okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The deeply disconcerting thing
0: yeah.
1: is how many other things <laughs> have right. been decided by the court and not by the legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, marriage equality. Yep. That was a court decision that, that was not legislated. Um You know, I think the last time that, uh, that you know the the US Congress um, you know got involved in that dis- decision in in that issue is the Defense of Marriage Act during the mm. Clinton administration. Mm. Um, you know so civil rights those have been yeah court decisions uh, you know we we have difficulty passing you know v- voter rights voter That's protection right. bills. Uh, you know, so this just throws like this like if you begin to pull at this thread, yeah um there are so many things that have been decided by the court that now there is precedent um for you know the uh you know the court to throw out all sorts of things that aren't literally mentioned in the constitution.
0: Yeah, boy, that's it, that's exactly you know, it. Yep. And look, uh, we, we, we realize in moments like this that our system of a judicial branch and a legislative branch that need to deal with these kinds of social issues are not always equipped to deal with them very well. We don't have in our human design system an answer for everything. We live in a world... In which what we're going to do about the issue of abortion and about a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy or not is something that neither our laws nor our interpretation of the Constitution are the simple solution for that problem, how we think about it and what we do about it. So yeah. we come up with workarounds the best we can, the argument for people who are you know maybe yelling at their computer or their phone right now saying this guy doesn't understand how you know, uh, Roe versus Wade has been argued in that in the Casey case, it's actually legitimate argument for a woman's right to choose to have an abortion based on the, on the constitution. The Supreme court was right to have ruled the way that it did. Yeah, That's a workaround and we can all say, yeah, there's an argument to be made that a, there's a liberty right that's in the constitution and you can apply that, but it's, it's not a perfect fit. It's it's odd fitting. There's gaps, there's holes. You know, it's it's like constructing a house and you have to use a whole bunch of that, you know, fill the gap spray stuff that you put around windows and doors because it's not custom made. So we have a lot of gaps and a lot of things don't work. And it's in those gaps where the pressure really starts to build. So Alito's argument is one that is the solution that he has brought is going to create a whole other set of problems. Yeah, It's like spraying that gap fill stuff inside of your door jam. And if you put too much of it in there, it starts to crack the door jam. He's going to crack something open here. I guess I mixed my metaphor there. he's going to crack something here that is now going to open up a whole lot of other issues that have to be dealt with. So yeah, for let- sure. Let's talk about some of the political implications of this. Cause I think,
1: I think that's important, it, Doug. You, I don't think I, I don't think I've said this publicly on the podcast, but you and I have been in in meetings over the last year where we have we have talked about the midterm elections, mm-hmm. and we have you know tried to talk ourselves off the ledge of you know what looks like would be a you know a Republican, um, a significant Republican win in the House of Representatives, and in in likely. Uh, a Republican win in the Senate and and what we could do to avoid that and how do we work to keep that from happening. And uh, and Doug, I, I, you have heard me say that I think that the only thing that would save us from a Republican, a significant Republican win in November would be if Roe was overturned. I think that the political backlash to this is something that um, the religious right is 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 going to underestimate um, and has underestimated. They think that they have the majority on this. They think that they have you know the temperature of the American people on this, and and they are absolutely wrong. Uh, there, this is unprecedented in a number of ways. The Supreme Court has never stripped people mm. of their rights. Uh, now, I mean, that, that's not to say the Supreme Court's never made bad decisions because they have, but they've never taken yeah. away rights that already existed, you know, that it had already yep. been granted. and uh, And so, you know, this is going to cause a mm. significant mm. backlash. There's already a majority of Americans, a significant majority of Americans who support a woman's right to choose. Now, those voters are going to be energized and mobilized listen let us just be honest the biden administration has done a lot of good a lot of good for the country but man they have struggled in connecting with the american people over the last two years and 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 really have left many many of their of their voters um Uninspired, mm-hmm. unenthusiastic,
0: right. lethargic,
1: <laughs> without a reason to go to the polls. <laughs> I
0: mean, I mean, of, like, millions of people Sleepy haven't even gotten Joe. out of beds in the morning. Yeah, bed in the morning. Yeah. I,
1: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, That's just following it. Sleepy Joe. Um, you know, so this is the you know, it listen, uh, this is I, I did not want this decision to be made but this decision mm. will galvanize and energize you saying millions and millions of voters who would not have been otherwise yeah and I think it is the very thing that might save a Democratic majority in the in the House of Representatives and in the Senate uh, so i I think as that this could turn out to be a the the backlash yeah. of the, the kind of, you know, oh shoot moment that lots of people have. And, you know, white suburban women moved from Trump to Biden in 2020 and those white suburban women were, were voters who were, you know, very likely to, you know, go, you know, quote unquote, return home and, and vote Republican in the midterms. I, I think this I think this changes that and we're going to see democrats hold white suburban women and that's going to allow you know them to to be much more competitive in control in in remaining in control of the house and the senate
0: well i i think that's a smart political analysis and you very well may be right The, the issue that doesn't seem to line up give me the greatest confidence. I I mean, I've been one that has suggested that I think Democrats really do have a chance to hold the House and hold the Senate. But the issue here is not, we don't do general population elections. There's, pick your number, 20, 15, 25, somewhere in that ballpark of congressional districts that are going to be up for grabs, that are going to determine the control of the House. Some people might say 40, but it's going to be, I think, somewhere in the 15 to 20, 25. So the question is, does this issue motivate the people who live inside of those districts? Mm -hmm. I'm less confident. I think the places where those districts are up for grabs, this issue might not be as motivating. Do I think that the bluer areas of our country, the places that vote for Democrats more often, are going to be even more voting for Democrats or when someone... Votes, they're going to vote pushing harder on that button or you know mark, marking that box. Yeah, for sure. But that's the difference. Is will, d- does this happen in the in the votes for the House of Representatives in the districts that's going to move the the needle there? Yeah. I do think it has more impact on the Senate though, because Senate yeah. is a statewide race, and so therefore you can get these blue pockets in certain Senate, and that might be the thing that's really needed. You know, yeah. as, as somebody who yeah. wanted there to be Democratic control of, of Congress because Republicans have given up their right to rule in this country and doubled down on their right to, uh, you know, before the 2020 election and doubled down on that with their behavior after the insurrection. So I think that they need to sit it out for a very long period of time until they, they you know, let this fever pass. But the idea that Georgia flipped and that Democrats Got control of the Senate in that January special election, January uh, 2021. Unbelievable. So all of a sudden, Democrats were like, hey, we don't have a split government. which is what people thought was going to happen in 2020. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, Democrats have control of the Senate. Now, can they add to it? I think that was up for grabs. I think they could have lost control of the Senate. I think you're right that maybe they will gain control of the Senate. And it could be that... Democrats gain seats in the Senate and lose seats in the House because of how... And it's not gerrymandering that does this. I mean, you may argue that it is, but gerrymandering is not the problem that simply needs to be solved. The problem that needs to be solved is the influence of small money. But... The thing that really has to happen is that people have to move at the right congressional levels along yeah. with the state level. And I'm not yeah. sure that's going to happen, but I do think there's places yeah. where, where this could happen. Now, what's hard about it is to talk about this now is like talking about gun legislation after a, a, a murder, a mass yes. shooting murder. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's hard to pivot to that conversation and deal with the implication of Mm -hmm. this potential ruling. Now, what I think is also politically interesting is someone leaked this document and the people I've heard are saying it's (laughs) unprecedented in modern Supreme Court uh, uh, history. So someone thinks if we can get this into the public conversation before the ruling has come down, maybe yeah. that can influence the actual ruling i think yes. that's what's going on someone didn't just yeah. break this as a news no. story they no. put no. this into the into the public conversation in order on my belief to try to influence the conversation and it will be interesting to see if that if that happens like if yeah. they start showing other so- drafts of the of the ultimate Order that comes down, and someone can show no, they this was in February, the one that we saw, and then they made some other changes in March, and there were some other changes in early April. And then what's Mm -hmm. happened between, you know, May 2nd, the evening of May 2nd, and whenever the ruling comes down becomes another. Piece, so so there's a big political, not not political in who you vote for, but how does the body politic speak to yeah. the Supreme Court in a way that the Supreme Court might actually hear that and have some implication for it?
1: Yeah, so when you watch a television show, um, you know you're watching a sitcom typically there, or you know even a drama. There are A stories and B stories, right? It it oh sure. You're watching a you're watching a twenty minute you know, show, there's a primary story about, you know, two of the characters interacting. And then there's like a sub story with another character and their interactions in some way. And, and a good television show has an A story, a B story, maybe even a C story. And you're tracking, you're tracking multiple stories at once. What we've seen with this is in Um, mainstream media, a phrase that I hate, um, (laughs) democratic-friendly media, um, the A story is the A story. And that is that the Supreme Court is on the verge of overturning Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. That's the A story. You turn on Fox News or you visit foxnews.com like I did today, this morning, uh, or any host of you know, right-wing media. The B story is the main story to them. Which is the leak. Now listen, the leak is a story. Yeah, it, it is. is. an important story. It is a part of the conversation. It needs to be, but it's not the main thing. It's not the egregious thing here. It is not the, you know, it, it is historic and unprecedented, but it is not the, like, the, 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 the unprecedented aspect of this with the widest implications for most Americans. Yeah. It's the inside baseball, the talking head journalists in Washington, D.C., the Beltway class, their chatter about, you know, the House of Cards way of all of this working. You know, like, that. it's the B story. And, you know, and, and so I just, you know, it's important to talk about But it is less in which I'm really glad we spent, you know, a full, you know, 30
0: 30, minutes or more
1: talking about the A story. Yeah, that's right. But
0: let's, let's be, let's be sure that we know which is which. But like, you know, like a Seinfeld episode, the one, you know, about Festivus, uh, that's one of the great Seinfeld episodes ever, Um, you know, uh, that tells the story, you know, of, of the, the Festivus holiday. That was a B story in the mm-hmm. in the Seinfeld show. But it's the one that stuck and it's the one that lasted. Yeah. Here's why I think the conservative news media is using, and I think that's a beautiful uh, illustration or m- metaphor of the B story. Here's why they're focused on the B story. They also recognize that this was leaked in order to move opinion of the Supreme Court.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Especially John Roberts. That John Roberts could be trying to get to some of these others to say, let's soften this language. Let's not do what the opening line or the opening statement from Alito is that Roe versus Wade needs to be overruled, that maybe this is now going to ratchet up the political pressure. So the reason that the conservatives are on is because they're like, we had a win in our hands and then by some, and now they're going to start claiming dirty tricks and cheating and all the stuff you know that people on both sides do. They're going to start saying, "Well, the Supreme Court's ruling was muddled by public opinion because this mm-hmm. leak happened." And someone will probably try to suggest that it's illegal, that some kind of leak happened, and that's now what's going to cause. So if they don't end up with a ruling that matches this draft. They're going to try to say it was falsely influenced. So they are going to make this the main story for part of the population on why did the Supreme Court not go far enough so they don't have to blame the Supreme Court justices. They can blame the media and they can blame uh, the radicals in public opinion formation in the country. Yep. That's the other thing that's going on. And I think, I think you're, so what we might ultimately end up you know, uh, remembering about all of this is the Truly the palace intrigue that went on with how was this, how was this done? Because the Supreme Court, for all of its uh, respectability, has a very overblown sense of itself, and these justices do. And the fact that what they do is to create rulings and then attach justices' names to them. So you don't just get a ruling. This was written by Justice Alito and he flourishes it in his own way. And then a dissent comes in another way. And, and there, these, these giants of the judicial, you know, Godhead have told us, you know, in their own powerful, and just all this nonsense, like that's not what the Supreme court should be doing. So all the theater that goes into all of this with the way that the that the you know the assistants and the aides to the Supreme Court justices and their their clerks are writing up all of these paragraphs and they're being you know finally edited like someone's writing a great memoir. All this stuff that goes on in the Supreme Court that pits character with character, and we know these people. You know, look whether you're a huge fan of Alito or you're a huge fan of you know Kagan or Is RBG, anybody, yeah, for sure they are. Yeah, I mean. They, you know they make little action dolls and figures out of these people, and that's the part of all of this that makes it the A story for so many people. But I think that's yeah, a that's yeah. a that's a great great metaphor and analogy. All right, can we can we just shift yeah, no, our that, minds to to that something being else? Said, yes, yeah, no, let's good. yeah let's talk about no, something. I, I love a right. phrase with uh, that always oh, starts with that being said. John Roberts is the one who leaked it. <laughs> it sure. Is. Okay. Oh boy. All right. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, a C story. Someday the story Ooh. will be told. leaked. It. Yeah, leaked it. a clerk, a clerk for sure. All right, uh, I'm going to do something fancy and change my lighting for this. Look at that. Look at what I just did. Ooh. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Trump being uh, <laughs> uh, indicted in Georgia. A special grand jury was picked in Georgia to probe Trump's actions in the 2020 Georgia election. Is what the the Associated Press ruled. Mm-hmm or uh, headlined on uh, uh, yesterday. This is a big deal. Um, Yeah. That phone call, other phone calls that we haven't all heard of what Trump was doing to try to influence the certification of the election in Georgia approaches criminality. And a grand jury is going to determine whether a prosecutor has enough evidence that a crime was committed to press charges. This is a big story. Yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, this, this is the kind of thing that has, that has lasting consequence. This feels like when Bill Clinton was ordered to appear in a deposition under oath and the consequences yep. that came from that. Yep. That if, however this goes, if Donald Trump is put under oath and has to yep. say things because there's official government proceedings about criminality that is a game changer in a serious way. So for all the other things that we worry about in all the ways that you know I have been arguing for 4 years, a president of the United States is not going to be perp walked and put in a orange jumpsuit and have a mugshot taken in this country. It's just simply not going to happen. But could there be some implications around this that, um, that do have severe personal consequences for Donald Trump and certainly political consequences? It sure seems like it could.
1: We talk about you know unprecedented. A former president of the United States has had a grand jury impaneled to you know, look at their actions, look at his actions, and, and decide on whether or not there is enough evidence to indict him. Uh, you know, there's kind of this old cliche that you know any lawyer, any prosecutor worth their salt can can get a grand jury to
0: indict a ham sandwich. Um, you know, <laughs> is that a saying? An indict- I've never heard that saying. Yeah, is that, is that why? Know, uh, hey, any, any prosecutor yeah. can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. Uh, yeah, I like it. I, I mean, I it's, didn't know that was like that it's simple. not a it, it's not a difficult
1: thing to do. Um, and so. You know that indictment then leads to a, a trial. Like this is, this is you know the the stages that happen. This is not a trial of Donald Trump. This is this is a a wow. Somebody just dropped a big comment. Yeah, keep going, the, keep going. I'll
0: get. to. I'll, I'll take a ooh, look. Yeah, keep all going. Right, was, yeah don't, wow. get, don't get distracted by the, the shiny object over there, Rob. I was just keep distracted talking. by that. Yeah, keep pages talking. Pages
1: pages of text. Yeah. Um. Sorry about that. That's all right. So, you know. So, Thank you, what happens to the grand jury is, is the prosecutor uh, has to present before the judge and a jury um, the evidence that they have. So, basically, this is kind of a fail safe to make sure we're not going to waste everybody's time with, you know, completely inappropriate, politically motivated, you know, revenge motivated, whatever. And, you know, Trials that just are unnecessary. Prose- this is a check and balance on prosecutors to make sure that they're doing their job and they don't waste everybody's time with with trials that are that are um, unwarranted. the mm-hmm. The level of you know that needs to be that needs to be reached is not you know guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That's not what this is about. This is about is there enough evidence to have that trial to see if he's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt uh so that's what's happening here now to think that this is happening to a former president of the mm-hmm. united states is remarkable i mean doug you've made the point over and over um that uh, uh you know you don't think that the president will you know the former president will be perp walked and and you know i don't know uh this seems really really significant and uh leads to you know what all I, frankly i don't care if he's perp walked or not all i want is for him to be convicted of a felony i don't i don't i he i don't he doesn't need to be he doesn't need to be you know going to jail he doesn't have to pay a fine i don't all i want is for him to be convicted of a felony because If he's convicted of a felony, he is disqualified from running for
0: president. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. look, I I would love for him to have faced the consequences of his bad behavior and for that to mean that he can't run for public office. I would also love for him to try to run again and to again be rejected, either in the primaries (laughs) by the Republicans or by the population of the United States. That would be fantastic. Three times in a row, having the majority of voters in the country say no to you? Yeah, let's do it. And then in the next election, let's put him on the ballot again and have people vote against him again and vote against him again and again and again. I like that even more than having the judicial system do do the, the public political bidding. But should he put, be be punished for the things that he did in Georgia? Absolutely. Could it even mean that he can't just run in Georgia? This would get interesting, wouldn't it? If a federal candidate, the 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 only candidate running for federal office that you have to be voted for in multiple states can't run in certain states because he's been determined to not be eligible in that state because of his criminal history, there we go. That feels yeah. uh, that feels pretty good. And then he could try to run and try to win without Georgia, something like this, right? All these kinds of all these kinds of things. That again. We don't have a system that allows us to operate this country without people filling the gaps and doing the right thing. And this is what we have to do. I know for a lot of us, we come from a perspective that we want the systems and structures to be just and right. We should, and we should work for that all the time. It's never going to match the personal experience and the collective need of a society, however. So we're gonna need people to do something more than just have the system work. So we need people to be creative and to step in and to fix problems and to humanize our systems. So we need human morality and ethics and justice as well as systemic change that makes things work better because systems can only mold themselves to a certain degree. And after that, people have to engage. And the fact that a grand jury is impaneled to answer the question, was the behavior of Donald Trump something that warrants being prosecuted? That feels like really good work that needs to be done. And I sure hope uh, that they conclude, uh, yes, uh, this man has committed uh, actions that are unacceptable. And, uh, and there is, there is a response as insufficient as the response is uh, to, to uh, criminal behavior. Almost no one that I know who has had someone violate them, whether then they've been, the person's been arrested and punished by the judicial system, or they're in a civil case and there's a ruling about it. Almost never have I known people who have said, Oh, I'm totally 100 percent satisfied with that. What came out of that? That that's that, that's right. That I, I feel great. That worked mm-hmm. almost always. Even the victims, when there's justice that has been brought, say, I just it. I know that's the best we can do, but you know it didn't fix anything. It didn't it didn't correct it. It just still it lingers. That's how yeah. most people yeah. feel all the time about this stuff so we have to remind ourselves the judicial system can only do so much and we're, yeah. we need other mechanisms in our society to uh, to take the next to take the next steps yeah. and so no matter how this breaks no matter how this goes i think that's something that we have to be considering yeah there's something kind of
1: hilarious though of all of the illegal corrupt and egregious things that donald trump did um, you know from Cheating on his taxes, to getting rich off the American public, to you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> inciting an insurrection yeah. against uh, uh, against the United States government. All of the 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 things that he did. A phone call, yeah, <laughs> to the Secretary of State of Georgia saying hey, I need you to get me more votes. Get me 11,000 more votes. Yeah, all I need. I I,
0: I, I don't need you to make everything right. I just need you to find the votes. We need 11,000 or whatever number. He names the number. Like He's not even saying to them, hey, you got a problem over there? Can we send the Justice Department down to help? We just need to make sure this all worked out. He's like, I don't actually stated it. I don't want you to do that. I just need you to find this number of votes. Can you do that for me? I mean, this... Yeah, and you know what else I was reminded of on a little, of, ta- a little tangent of. Of political- everything. It's so innocuous, though. It's yes. like, it is,
1: it's. He, he did not even know he was breaking the law when he said that. He didn't uh, know. Yeah.
0: Nah. He didn't okay. know. I think people told him that he has to stop fussing around, that it's illegal. I think he didn't care. My, my view of the man is that he's not a criminal because criminals respect the law and they know they're breaking it, he's lawless. He thinks the laws don't apply to him. So the fact that it's criminal, he's like, I don't care. I do criminal stuff. all the. Time. I don't pay people. I cheat on these things. I mean, he, the man is just a serial cheater and liar, which is what makes the fact that he's saying that he was cheated and lied about, and that's why he lost the election just so perfectly, you know, uh, the content for a therapy session for him. But I was thinking today that who... Who would have guessed four or five years ago that Ukraine would have played so many key roles in American society, from the war that's happening there now, to Hunter Biden working for a gas company there, to Rudy Giuliani going over there, to Donald Trump calling the president of the Ukraine and saying, we will send you these particular weapon systems. But I need you to do, us a fa- do me a favor first. And that got him impeached. Who knew Ukraine, talk about your B story in the sitcom, who knew Ukraine was going to be the place where all, this, uh, where all this took place and all this happened? It's just really, I don't know, I find it uh, just who, who would have guessed the things. And that's what this Georgia deal feels like. Yeah. With all the Georgia. shenanigans that this is at, the phone call. And and yeah. it turns out and, not just yeah, one phone call, but, multiple phone calls, and not just multiple yeah. phone calls, other meetings, and calling people to the White House. Like this guy was fussing around in these elections from, you know, Michigan to Arizona to Georgia, all over the place, trying to uh, re- rectify this the, this this situation.
1: And Georgia, seems like it has become the epicenter of you know our of our political happenings. In the same way that you look at Ukraine and go. All, who would have thought that all these different things? And we've got that here with Georgia, with all these different things from the John Ossoff running for uh, the the for Congress in a special election, yeah. and, and and Stacey Abrams, uh, her rise to power and, and and influence, and almost being named vice presidential candidate with with Joe Biden. To you know the. Georgia determining control of the Senate and now, you know, Georgia being, uh, you know, right here at the front forefront of, uh, of, you know, what the future holds for the, uh, the former disgraced president. And I mean, can I make a little segue here for us, Doug? Sure. I mean, all eyes have been on Georgia, but today really all eyes are shifting to Ohio, um, where, uh, where there is a primary and, uh, their primary happening. Republicans and Democrats are picking their candidates that will appear on the ballot in November. Uh, there are uh, races for governor. Um, uh, governor Dewine is uh, is being challenged by a by a far right wing guy. Um, he will likely win renomination by yep. the Republican Party pretty handily. Um, the Democrats are picking their. Uh, um, their candidate i'm personally i'm rooting for nan whaley who is the uh, the the mayor of dayton who's running um for the to be the democratic nominee in ohio um there is a senate race uh, on the democratic side congressman tim ryan is uh go to running ryan. For, for the uh, nomination he is being challenged in that race by morgan harper uh who's an activist from columbus um, uh, Morgan ran for Congress in, in 2020 and is now running for the Senate. Um, big fan of Morgan, yep. lover, but I expect Tim Ryan to to probably win that pretty handily. Uh, though, though, Tim Ryan at times has been accused of being squishy on reproductive rights. And so it will be interesting to see if yeah. there is – if there are political implications of of you know what what's happened with the Supreme Court, could that play out today in Ohio? Could women turn from Tim Ryan and, and vote for Morgan Harper in the Democratic primary? That's going to be interesting to see. Um, on on the Republican side, the Republicans are picking their nominee for for the United States Senate. Uh, Donald Trump has endorsed J.D. Vance, uh, the author of "Hillbill Hillbilly Elegy," and. Uh, a former never self-confessed never Trumper, yep. who became uh, as Trumpy as it gets, and uh, once referred to Donald Trump as America's Hitler, and now has accepted his
0: uh, uh, oh full-throatedly accepted his, his endorsement. Yep.
1: Well, I would say full. Th- Throatedly, and, except Donald Trump is
0: not quite sure who he's endorsing. No, I'm saying um, that that JD know. Vance accepted it full-throatedly, yeah, and Donald Trump just said yeah. yesterday on a, on a on a fundraiser call for JD Vance, "I actually support all the you know Trump supporting candidates." He, he just, look. The guy's just uh, who likes me and kind of deal. It's inter- going to be interesting if the influence of Donald Trump to bump JD Vance over the top works. Yeah. Now what I find interesting is that someone like JD Vance who's, you know, wealthy, famous needs Donald Trump to come in to get him above 24% in the Republican primary. That whatever's going on in in Ohio politics, Republicans are split and spread. There's like five candidates ranging from 14% in the polling to 25%, which now is where JD Vance is. And four of the five are real anti, are, are real pro-Trump people. Only one of them is a, like, let's move beyond Donald Trump. The election was not rigged. It's time to, you know, the other kind of Republican. He has a shot. I'm not saying he's going to win, but he's got a shot. He could get close. And um, if J.D. Vance doesn't win, and, you know, this, this, uh, this other one, which, Dana, we've got a little video that I shot this morning that, that we'll show you in a second, uh, one of these other people could win. The subtext, the B story in this sitcom is going to be, oh, Donald Trump's candidate didn't win in Ohio. He doesn't have the level of influence that uh, people think that he does. That could be a big deal if he's shown to be squishy and people don't really follow him, and there's not enough Ohioans. Because Dewine, as you mentioned, who's running, f- who's the governor's in the primary, is going to win, and he's not a he's not a super Trumper guy. Right, nope. he's, he's one nope. of these other kinds of, uh, of Republicans, was, and it will be interesting to see. He was one of the first Republicans
1: on the national stage to congratulate Joe Biden on his presidential victory yeah. and got himself on Donald Trump's list as a result of that. Even, But Trump stayed out of that gubernatorial race and, right. and hasn't endorsed well, that. And yeah. here's so why, because it,
0: Donald, Trump, Donald Trump treats politicians the way I treat Minnesota sports teams. I jump on the bandwagon yes. once they're winners. I don't I don't like I don't I, you know if like if you get to the championship yeah. I'm going to show up I'm going to even wave a flag. I'm, I'm ai I'm a bandwagon jumper. That's yeah. the way he is You're going to waste your
1: time with a losing team
0: though. Donald Trump is not going to say, "Oh, I'm looking at the polling. I can see that DeWine is got, you know, 47, 48% of the primary voters and the next person up is 20 points back. I'm going to try to bump the guy 20 points." No way is he going to do that. That's all that it is. He just looks around and says who looks like they're going to win. And then when someone he picks doesn't look like they're going to win, he just takes his endorsement away and says, no, I only supported them because I thought they were going to win. I don't support people that aren't going to win. I mean, it's just, he's out of the norm of all of this stuff in such a, such a way. But this is a big question because if it ends up being Ryan uh, as a Democrat, Tim Ryan running against J.D. Vance. That's going to be a very interesting election in Ohio, which is one of the things we've talked about that could have influence on changing the the control of the Senate, because those are the kinds of seats that now J.D. Vance could be facing that onslaught of suburban women in Ohio who say, Mm -hmm. no way are we going with this version of, Republicanism, and this is where it gets it gets very interesting. I actually think this Mandel guy that we're going to show right now, if he wins the primary, oh, it's even worse. Yeah, then then I think uh, Tim Ryan it, it really has a chance to win because uh, this guy is a real piece of work. Dan, uh, do you think that video is good enough to share? People may have to turn their volume up. Here's how this video came about. I saw this interview on Morning Joe today, and I was so irritated by it. I pulled out my phone and recorded it on my television, which I which I do a lot. It's like an old man move to make make videos. So I'm recording my TV. So this sounds a little. Uh, it sounds like exactly what I just described, and uh, and and you know you can see the reflection from the windows and stuff on the TV. So it doesn't look great and doesn't sound great, but the content is really great. Yeah, should be, that should be like our theme around here. It should be our slogan: <laughs> the Common Good Podcast. Doesn't look great, doesn't sound great, but the content really great. It's great.
1: We just came from Dayton, and I spoke at a podium, and on the front of the podium it said Josh Mandel for U.S. Senate, pro God, pro gun, pro Trump. And the reason it said that is because I believe so strongly in the America First agenda that
0: President Trump delivered for my people here in the state of Ohio. Okay, so there's Josh Mandel standing next <laughs> okay. to Ted Cruz. If you've only watched it, only listening, he's standing next to Ted Cruz, who's looking at him, not, and this like this, like this doppel, younger doppelganger, ganger, weird thing with Ted Cruz. What's Ted Cruz doing there? Why doesn't he? Why doesn't Ted Cruz take his kids to Cancun, where he belongs? Right? Why is he not de- back in Texas solving some sort of a some sort of a power outage crisis? What's he doing up there in Ohio? But then this Mandel says, who, by the way, I mean I, I'm not an ageist here, um, but this guy just doesn't have the personal affect to look like a United States senator. I mean, he he just he looks very young and just like straight out of the like republic the the college Republicans, you know, leadership group. And there's Ted Cruz, you know, like, oh, this guy's really, really something. Uh, and, and Mandel says, the podium that I spoke at said, Josh Mandel, it's his, his name, obviously, pro-God. Okay, just let me pause for a minute as a pastor and say, that's what the notion of blasphemy addresses, Using God as a noun that you can point to and say, Oh, I'm all for God. Yeah, yeah, you know what a lot of people think about the divine? The divine doesn't need me to be pro God. I mean, th- this sort of idea that God and guns and Trump are the trifecta of my trinity that I stand, I mean, just the blasphemy is unrelenting with these people. But then his thing is pro God. Pro guns and pro Trump. And he's like, oh, why? Because that's, I mean, that's a great placard to put on the front. First of all, it's not even yours, apparently. There's what other people are saying about you, maybe, or maybe it's what you've said about yourself. Just so confusing. And to our point here with faith voters and the rise of Christian nationalism, this idea that God, guns, and Trump are the three members of the mm-hmm. of the political messaging trinity that you need, that is where the problem lies.
1: And just to remind everybody, this is the guy that
0: Donald Trump
1: did not <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, Doug, if you saw, you probably didn't uh, see, um, a couple months back, um, there was a, uh, a Senate debate between Josh Mandel, a Republican who at that point was... Um, looking to be um you know uh, an also ran and uh lo- he was debating Morgan Harper who is the running on the democratic side so it was two candidates from different parties in the midst of a primary debating each other uh-huh. without the presence of everybody else and uh it was it was a fascinating debate to watch because he was as dismissive and rude and awful as you might expect, um, he uh, he called he called Morgan Harper in the midst of this debate um, a dumber AOC, and uh, and she refused to shake hands with him at the end, and uh, and you know it was it was something. Yeah, he's um, a troll. So
0: Look, he's a political he needs, troll. Yes, he
1: he needs to be a relegated to be a, a sideshow. Now that being said. I'm not all that excited about J.D. Vance either. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's yeah, quite a choice. That that's, a point. that's a great point.
0: That's a great yeah. point. Listen,
1: before we before we wrap up, I just want to mention Kay Ryan asked in the uh, in the chat, why is nobody covering the Nina Turner part of the Ohio primary? Kay, I was going to get there after we talked about the Senate race. There is a uh, there's also a, a primary happening in outside of, in the Cleveland area in Cleveland. And uh, it is uh, Nina Turner is uh, has a rematch against um, um, Congresswoman Brown, who that mm. um, was an open seat in uh, in um, in a special election about six months ago. Um, um, Congresswoman Brown won that uh, against Nina Turner. And uh, and now they're going at it again in this, uh, in, in the, in the democratic primary. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big Nina Turner fan. I love Nina. Um, so I'm, I was rooting for her in the special election. I'm rooting for her now. Um, so that's just on the personal side, you know, I, I love Nina and, uh, hello, somebody. And, uh, you know, hopefully she'll, uh, she'll, she'll win the primary today in, uh, in Cleveland.
0: Well, all the best. I think a lot of these, uh, Primaries, are, you know, are going to be evident immediately, and some of them I think mm-hmm. are going to take a while. And I could imagine that the Senate primaries are going to be a slow count, um, especially on the Republican side, and these other ones, uh, you know, probably know by 8:01 uh, Eastern time. So uh, we will. Uh, we'll keep everybody updated on all on all those things hey and and Rob just give us two minutes on this uh, little project we have going on the on common good candidates and our uh, candidates yeah. for the common good because you know as a lot of people they, they hear us you know griping and complaining and, and seeing the influences of such nonsense in, in politics you, you could get yourself to think, why does anybody run for politics? What's in it for them? In fact, I had a friend, I was talking yeah. to this about them the other day, and he, and he said, like, do they just, like, why do people do this? Why do they run for Senate? And look, I'll tell you, it is not for personal gain as a senator. Like, it might be if you think that being a senator or being a, a congressperson, you're going to influence the world. But look, every senator and congressperson says, the number of things that I promised, the number of things that I got into politics to do compared to the number of things I can actually influence, that difference, it is devastating. Like you do so little comparatively. And it's not like you're, now I know to a lot of people, it's it's a lot of money that you get paid to be a senator. I don't know what it is, $150,000 a year, $170,000 a year, some, somewhere in that ballpark. You have to work out of state. You have a lot of other costs. You, have tra- you just have a lot. It's not as if these people are becoming the wealthiest people in America. They're not winning the lottery. So what is it that motivates them? And for all of them, I think it's trying to influence the country in the, way that, the best way that they can with even marginal amounts of influence. So what motivates these people? Well, we like to wrap ourselves around people who are motivated for the common good and we're going to we're going to find a little way to cheer them on about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we ask voters to use the common good as their voting criteria. Instead of just voting for, you know, <laughs> who's going to give you the biggest tax cut or, you know, thinking only about yourself. We think this idea of loving your neighbor uh, needs to be taken into the voting booth with us. And we need to think about the common good and it needs to be our voting criteria. It needs to be the thing that, that causes us to, you know, to, to touch the touch screen in the places that we do. Um, And so what we've done all across the country is we've asked candidates to, make a commitment to use the common good as their governing criteria. If voters vote for them, um, we've asked candidates to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the common good as my governing criteria. It's going to be the, the motivating factor for how I govern, whether that is in a state legislative office um, or in a governor's office or in the halls of Congress or the United States Senate, um, up and down the ballot, we have candidates who are saying, you know what, I'm going to use the common good as my, my governing criteria. And, uh, and it, so this candidates for common good is it's, – it's not about agreeing to, a set, of, a, to a, a set of planks in a platform or policy positions. Though, you know, certainly we advocate for a lot of stuff right. here at Vote Common Good, right. um, you know, very clearly. It's more about a, a shared set of values and, and specifically this this the sense that mm-hmm. um, we need to not just look out for ourselves, but we need to look out for the interests of others. And yeah. so we are going to be launching Candidates for Common Good um, hopefully this week. It'll be a page on our website. It'll be on social media. And uh, we're really excited that we have got um, a bunch of
0: candidates, including some big name folks. Yeah, some that you'll recognize. Uh, and and uh, yeah, if you have yeah, a candidate, yeah, head on over there, push them our way. You know, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be yeah. spreading all spreading all the goodness yeah. around all that.
1: Yeah, if you are a candidate or know a candidate who might be interested in it, running for whatever race at all. Um, that would be interested in being a candidate for common good, shoot me an email, uh, Rob, it's R O B B at vote, common good.com. And, uh, and I will show you how you can be in the first round of candidates we're going to be announcing.
0: So we hope that common good becomes, uh, the driving force. Um, I know, I, you know, most people think that's what they're doing, but once you start to ask someone, is this about political gain or about common good? It kind of starts to open up that conversation a little bit. So we're excited about, creating not only for candidates but also for voters an entire ecosystem of common goodery that can drive their their work well hey thanks for the conversation today we'll be back talking about faith tomorrow uh we'll be back uh, again on thursday Little side note here, if you listened to our business yesterday, you know that we're moving a lot of our effort here over to YouTube as opposed to the Facebook and Twitter places. We're working that out. Go over to YouTube now, Vote Common Good on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash C slash Vote Common Good, or just Vote Common Good uh, on YouTube. And subscribe over there, and these live streams are going to start to show up there. And on the other places, we're going to put... Some shorts, uh, maybe some beginnings, maybe some middles, maybe some ends of the conversation to remind you that we've got a conversation going. But we're moving ourselves into the ecosystem that is the, uh, th- that is. Uh YouTube, and we want you to be part of that with us. Um, so come on over there and uh, find your way subscribe. To, the, uh, to subscribe and follow. And all the same things that you can experience anywhere else, you can experience over there. There's just a whole lot of reasons that you can listen to yesterday's conversation if you want to, to know about that, why we're doing it, including like this conversation that we had a, just over a year ago um, with Elizabeth Krauss and Ashley Abercrombie on a common good approach to abortion. You can find that easily over there on our YouTube channel. If you want to find that in our videos on Facebook or on Twitter or on Twitch, it's, it's not designed for that. Facebook and Twitter and Twitch. YouTube is. And because we put out so much content on video, it's better for us to be in that ecosystem and then share from there into the other places. But we know a lot of you stay in the chat because it's integrated into Facebook. So we're going to do everything we can to bring you with us. So please head on over there to Facebook or to YouTube and subscribe. And turn on the bell. Here's the... I know a lot of people don't even know how YouTube works and sometimes it can feel a little... I don't know. Like you're not interested in how it works. But if you click the little bell over there, little bell icon, then you get a notification. However you want to get notifications, whether it's an email or pops up on your watch, or I don't know someone comes to your house and knocks on the door. Some way you get a notification that we're live or that we've posted a video. So it keeps you up to date. So if you like this conversation and some of the other formats, because it just sort of pops up in your world, you can have a, vote common good live stream podcast pop up in your world over there on on youtube as well so thanks for being with us uh this long it was a long one today uh we hope it was helpful and important hey and just to all the people so many comments tara mike k i'm trying to read these as we go uh genie um um, have joe kelly bonnie yeah have joe (laughs)
1: like keep the dissertations man
0: no, post them, post them, Kev Joe. I, I disagree with you. Post all you want, Kev Joe. <laughs> you write, you you write us a book, my man, and you put that in the chats there. You you write everything. In fact, that little, uh, yeah, there it is. There's 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 Kev Joe Kelly's. Uh, there's one great line wow. in Kev Joe Kelly's thing that I was reading, and I was trying to find a way to get it in. So maybe this is the moment he says about talking about Trump. He says, and Mark Meadows, who was his chief of staff. Mark Meadows has said numerous bad things about Trump, like calling him a tub of lard that never won anything in his life, including a game of golf. He disclosed <laughs> the information about his medical records and his college records. He gave Trump the nickname, the four loser. And he said Trump won't rage in fury against him or don't uh, because he's afraid of them. Uh, now all of the above have been, uh, and he goes on and goes on. So uh, yeah, Kev Joe, anybody, look, you post any comments you want. Uh, uh, you know, don't, don't send them to Rob. He's uninterested in reading more than, uh, more than three sentences, but do put them in the chats. Uh, here's why. It helps... People see it. They say you move. You did an action. The algorithms of the socials—they want more interaction. So when you comment on our YouTube videos, when you comment—that's no, and not true on Facebook. Other friends of yours see it. But when you comment on our YouTube videos, it actually tells YouTube that there's people that are engaged. So you'll see if you start watching YouTube videos, people will say, "Hey, leave a comment down below on what you know, what kind of thing you're thinking about." There's a reason for that. It's a—that's how the system is fed to say that people care about what you're doing. So, uh, I don't know. I guess the only advice I would have for you, uh, Joe, chop that up into five different comments and then post five times, and that makes even more benefit. So, uh, but, uh, but, but post galore. Peggy, thank you. Uh, I think I already said thanks to Kelly and Jim uh, and all the rest. Um, my, and and Rob and Dan, Dan, uh, do you got a minute to show us that mustache before we go here? Uh, because if you're on the video, I mean that thing. I'm moving in a Ted Lasso direction with wow. my whole life, you know? I it's, mean, it's, it's extraordinary. My friend, it is something worth, <laughs> uh, worth noticing and uh, talking about. And, and just, my just wife beholden. was like, you're not going to go on the air with that mustache. Are you? And I, I
1: tried to promise her. I wouldn't, but the world needs here to we see. Are.
0: Oh, I, I if it ever goes away i'm gonna feel that deep sense of of regret and loss it's it's stunning all right friends is that good anything else great hey i heard this great salutation somebody had the other day at the end of one of these things they said hey take care of yourself and if you can take care of someone else too isn't that nice that's good i wish we had a little nice slogan like that at the end that's nice but snoopy needs to be let out snoopy's gotta go well played. that was a code from yesterday that well played. Uh, the show was going a little too long and Snoopy the dog needed to pee because a guy so. put in the chat hey sorry guys I gotta go <laughs> um, I gotta let my dog out and then we find out this dog's name is Snoopy and so now the rule that an uh, hour and 15 minute podcast live stream is enough is that Snoopy has gotta go so <laughs> alright thanks everybody